Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, fellas? Thanks for joining me for another episode of Duck Gun Chronicles. How you doing, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm fresh off a of Georgie retreating training session, and I'm all excited. And Gita caught me a couple days ago. I've been discouraged, but Georgie's kicking some butt, <laughs> and I'm pumped up about it. <laughs> little dog's got my heart, I'll tell you. Awesome. <laughs> can't beat that. Definitely can't beat that. It's going to be exciting seeing all through the off season and um going on to the season as well so who knows yep. maybe and we got old titus on tonight our buddy yeah so i'm excited about that too we, you know, i came home from work and i was just tired and worn and this happens i'm glad that we switched the time we recorded this thing back a few hours because i get home from work and i'm kind of tired and everything and then i have dinner have a cup of coffee and by the time we start recording i'm I feel like i'm in a lot better spirit <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely uh, like the new time as well. I was able to get outside, and um, I'm building Chief a kennel uh, onto the side of my house with a doggy door and everything, onto the side of the garage, actually. And then it's going to have an inside section, too. So hopefully it turns out as as cool as it is in my mind. But, um, you know, anything to keep him away from my decoys and, and stuff to stop peeing on him. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. The first trip you came down, he was peeing on my decoys in my garage too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. He's got certain things he likes to pee on, and one of them is decoys. It's like, oh, chief. Yeah. So. Hey, and you know, you know who's coming back that you haven't talked to for a long time, really soon. Who's coming back? Summer Elliott. Oh yeah, be yeah. Here in a few months. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> Summer Elliott's a different guy yeah. than uh, working Elliott, let me tell you. You know that. You've seen it. Uh-huh. I'll be yeah, texting you 30 it's... times a day at work. And... <laughs> You'll probably be uh, tired by 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Putting out five Instagram posts a day. Yeah. Summer Elliott's the man. I wish Summer <laughs> Elliott was all year round Elliott. Yeah, and uh, it's got to be nice. I'm definitely envious of those times of the year. But I'm for those of you that don't know, I my uh, my side job is teaching. So <laughs> your side job some really doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, <laughs> in my prioritized mind, that's my side job. Nice, nice. That's a good way of putting it. But uh, real quick, before we get into the podcast, let's go ahead and give a big thanks out to our partners. Um, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to HDR Innovations. Um, you guys have heard us talk about them plenty of times, and um, their products, their main products are the Quack Pack, the A-Frame, and the Gun Stand. Um, one product that I want to mention tonight, kind of highlight, is the Quack Pack, and it's perfect for going out. Um, it's your all-in-one solution, taking out your decoys, your gun, everything, and it's a backpack, a decoy backpack, blind bag, or not blind bag, layout blind um, so you can walk out, everything's in, uh, all your decoys are in, in the backpack, um, and then you have a spot for your gun, um, you can even throw your blind bag in there, and then it has a blanket that attaches with stubble straps, so you get there, you unroll that, attach it onto the bottom, 
and bam, you get your layout blind. So it's kind of a really unique all-in-one um, solution for that. And, and I was pretty heavily involved in um, the creation of that. So I'm a, I'm a little biased towards it, but I think it's uh, freaking awesome. So definitely check out that on htrinnovations.com. And also, side note, um, I just got done designing them a new website. So um, it's looking pretty spiffy. So jump over there, check it out, htrinnovations.com, and use code DuckGun10 for 10% off at checkout. I have not seen the new website. Is it up right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I didn't know that. I have to go <laughs> and check that out. And actually, you know, we're having Titus on from Mid-Valley Mercenaries. I was watching his recent, most recent video where he and his brother are talking about their favorite three hunt videos of the year. And the first one that Thomas mentions, they were actually using um, the quack pack laying in a field. Awesome. So it made, it made the top three. There we go. Yeah. So, guys, don't forget when you're looking for your new gear, um, that you need for the 2020 waterfowl season, you go to bandit.com. You'll have access to bandit, Avery, Avery sporting dog, uh, greenhead gear, and they can set you up with everything that you need. Really, really high quality, um, merchandise that, that for all of your waterfowl needs. Ever since Jordan and I started using the equipment, I am certainly a bandit and Avery fanboy. So go and check that out. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for for that. Um, I guess, you know, I should mention you guys, the listeners, the viewers, and followers of the podcast. Really appreciate, appreciate you guys every week tuning in, sticking with us. Anyways, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Backbone of the community. Say it all the time, and I mean it. So uh, let's go ahead now and, and jump on into the podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, your host. And we got Elliot Graybeard, the grayest of grays, alongside me per usual tonight, rocking the co-host seat. And our guest for tonight is Titus from Mid-Valley Mercenaries. How you doing tonight, Titus? What's up, guys? Doing good. Awesome. So this is, uh, I guess, kind of a mini Flyways Collective collab. <laughs> having you on the podcast here tonight so um definitely gonna be a good one but uh how's your season been man it's been good yeah i mean it, it was a great season i i would i feel like i'm safe to say it's probably been the best season i've ever had and not just for hunting purposes but the people that i've met the places that i've went you know everything i've got to do and this year was definitely better than the year before so i just the whole combination of it's just been a Awesome, awesome year for memories. Awesome, and uh, definitely can't ask for more than that when it when it comes to duck hunting. Um, you know, it's definitely nice to, you know, rack up some hunts with uh, you know, some really good good numbers. But um, at the end of the day, you know, all that kind of means nothing if you're not out there making memories and hanging out uh, with people that you enjoy being with and hunting with. Yep. But yeah, so uh. You know, um, with your season being like that and all that, you know, one one of the, the highlights of your season um, had to be uh, your trip out to Washington. Oh, man. I don't know how much you want me to dive in that, but that was really <laughs> cool, man. That was, it was a, you know, free, it was a freelance duck hunt, you know, and we went out there. We, we had a little bit of direction um, from a, a gentleman named Jacob. He was a great, great help, and actually – he 
I've seen him wearing uh, Elliot's hat, one of his old school hats. So he's a supporter of your channel, Elliot, and uh, Sweet. he watched our channel. And he, we ended up exchanging numbers, and he helped us out. And actually, Alex Langdahl really helped us, pointed us around. And man alive, we just we had a blast. And what's crazy is they were telling me that that wasn't even their best time. Like they weren't even doing the greatest as they normally do. And in my mind, I'm like, holy cow. If this isn't if your worst is this good, I can't imagine what your good's like. Yeah, that's crazy. I think I've I've seen that guy on Instagram as well. Um, and if I remember right, I mean it's like every single one of his pictures is like just limit after limit of just stacks of mallards. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Should be illegal. <laughs> it's like uh, and I was looking at the states because every once in a while I like to get on the real tree website and then look at like the numbers so I can have my own pity party about um, how poor like the Mississippi flyway does at some, in some of the States mm-hmm. and I look over then in like yeah. Washington, it's like the average a number of birds per hunter over there. It's like, I mean, it's, it's one of the top in the country and it's, I believe it peaks over, it's over 20 birds per hunter. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> which, uh, do you know, have that, do you have that list, Jordan? I would love, I know Kansas is five. Really? I'm no Kansas yeah. was higher on that list unless they're calculating a different way. Um but that's the the one that Realtree puts together and I believe they get all the data from Fish and Wildlife Services. Hmm. Um but yeah, something like I mean with Washington, I think it was close to like 21, 22 um birds per hunter, which is just insane. <laughs> so um, Yeah, because Oh no, I'm sorry. The average in Kansas was 5 hunts per hunter. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking wrong. Yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into that a little bit. I'd love to hear more about it and um, kind of your experience getting out there and, um, you know, hunting hunting the freelance and all that that goes with it. Yeah, I mean, so um, I don't know how much you want to dig into it, but it was me, myself, and uh, Travis. Thomas, my brother, and Talon, and then um, one of the younger guys, Colton, went with us just for a couple of days. He didn't get to spend the whole trip as a college, but uh, we made the old road trip on, I felt like I was pretty confident going into it, you know, but when we first got there, we scouted the area that we were originally pointed to, and I can't lie, the first 24 hours, we were a little nervous. We were scratching our heads. We're like, uh, where's all the birds at, you know? <laughs> We drove this whole way. We all took work off. You know, we're just starting. I'm like, okay, well, let's not panic here. We're as far north as you can go pretty much before Canada, so there's got to be birds here somewhere. And uh, anyway, we've got a few more directions and places to go look, and we're looking at maps. And that was the one of the things that, you know what, I know what you do when you look, when you go out of state, but to put it in action was a different beast. And so we're, we're going through maps, and we're pulling up every reg, and, double checking okay if we hunt here this is what we can shoot this is what we can't shoot this is the days we can hunt this is the days we can't hunt i mean a lot a lot of research you know and because you want to make sure you don't do something you're not supposed to do or shoot something or you know for instance one thing was is like you couldn't at this one refuge you could not hunt uh honkers on this specific day but you can hunt them on this day but you can hunt seven days a week so i mean little things like that you can get yourself in a lot of trouble if you're not paying attention to the regs so 
that was one thing we really, really made sure we read everything upside down one the other, even met some um, game wardens and they were super nice and they point us around, you know, we whipped out, they were young guys and they were super cool. We just hand them our license right away, asked where we were from, said California. And we said, Hey, just to double check, you know, we're looking at the maps, but can we hunt all this area? And Oh yeah, you can handle that. And they were hunters too. And, what happened was after that first day, and of course this isn't all in the videos, but that first day, um, like I said, we were a little panicked. So we're scouting around, we're driving, we're putting a ton of miles on, and I'm driving up kind of out of the spot, and I look over to my left. I'm obviously I'm the one driving, and I look over and I see coot, and I see <laughs> what I think is like a thousand, you know, three hundred coot, and I'm like, and I slam on the brakes just because I'm seeing movement, you know, like, okay, what is this? And they were probably 250 yards away, maybe 300. I go, give me the binoculars. I go, I just want to double check. I look through and it's all mallards. And I start <laughs> freaking out because we haven't seen nothing really yet. I go, mallards, mallards. I'm like, you're lying, you're lying. You know, everybody's all freaking out. We're like kind of getting pumped up. And I go flying back down the hill. We, we opened the map again, you know, to make sure, can we hunt this area? Sure enough, good to go. And uh, anyways, this, this is the first hunt, okay? So this is, in, this is in the afternoon, and I would say it's about 12 o'clock. So we finally, we've been there for over 24 hours. We're finally getting the guns out. And uh, we run down there, and we get all, every single one of our decoys. And what's funny is I think we had over 100 with us we guesstimated a hundred birds down there. Well, we put all our decoys out a hundred decoys and we looked at it and we thought we don't have any decoys, you know, like however, this don't even match what the birds were. Cause obviously we flushed them up. We figured they'd come back and we're looking at the pile and we're like, dude, we don't, we need like, there must've been 500 birds here, not a hundred birds. So we stick all our decoys out. We get up in the brush on the bank and sure enough, 30 minutes later, I mean, just come in, not, not in, nothing insane or nothing crazy, but they start coming in and we, our spirits just went through the roof, man. <laughs> like we went from depressed and scared driving 700 miles to just having the time of our lives. And really we didn't, we only shot about between five of us. I think we only shot 17, 18 birds. And, um, but after that, man, it was just like our spirits soared and, we started figuring it out, and then the next day and the next day were just insane epic hunts. I mean, every day has a crazy story, but it was just from that point on, we started getting, you know, just in them thick, and it was just a blast. Awesome. We've talked a lot this year about expectations and how your emotions play into how much you enjoy a hunt. You know, I mean, if you're expecting a limit, like that first hunt at Kansas, you know, you and Jordan and I hunted together. We were just expecting limits. We are passing on hens. And by the end of the day, all told, you know, quite a few birds were shot once we moved over with the other guys and everything. But our expectations were so high that we were all bummed out. Where you guys right. have done like that, where you're feeling kind of depressed and you stumble on a decent hunt and it's just like you just won the Super Bowl, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's that, that's hard to – when you have emotions involved like that, because if you're any bit passionate about duck hunting, there is major emotion, emotions involved, and it's super highs and super lows, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, But, I mean, we say we know how to handle that, but when it push comes to shove, it's kind of hard to 
like control those emotions, you yeah. know? I mean, you wouldn't plan like a big out of state trip going all the way up there um, to the top of the border with if you didn't think you were going to just have an awesome hunt. So you already have those expectations. And <laughs> so um, it's, it's definitely, you know, a tough one. Um, but I mean, in the end, you guys had it anyway. So mm-hmm. you have to watch out for yep. the next time. But again, uh, it seems like Washington's so good that you might just uh, be able to live on those type of expectations up there. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an idea sure. for you. You know how I did uh, the chasing the opener for, and I went up to Michigan? Yes. I wonder if you can do something like that through through Washington. <laughs> that would be fun. I I don't know. You know, I haven't, I didn't look much into their goose stuff, but supposedly from what I hear, they have some awesome um, you know, honker hunting too. So that'd be something that I need to look into and look at the dates on that too. But it's, yeah. it's just nice. What I like about there and is the fact that it is farthest north before Canada and you can kind of do like you did, Jordan. You're kind of chasing the migration, so to speak, mm-hmm. because they get, they get good in the time that ours is really bad, you know? So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see when that when if their zones are split up, kind of how Indiana is with and Michigan is north, central, and south. Um, and if you have zones mm-hmm. split up like that, you know, in their northern part, it probably opens up, uh, you know, a few weeks earlier than your California duck season. And um, I don't know how it is in California on the Pacific Coast, but um, it seems like openers. There's always a lot of birds around. You got to fight the people, but there's always a lot of birds. So. Um, yeah, it's it's like that here too. The first week's good. Awesome. So, so how far how far away is that from you? Um, kind of where we were at was about seven hundred miles, give or take seven hundred miles. So I mean, that's a it's a little jot. I think we did it in I don't know the drive in like eleven hours or something like that. So I mean, in my opinion, that's not that bad. Like. You you have birds. I'm down. You know I can I can drive that easy. That's how far it is for me to drive to Elliot. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we what we did is we waited till because I was off Friday, so we waited for um, Thomas and Travis to get off of work, and that was like five o'clock. We ended up leaving like five thirty. Drove basically drove all night and uh, tried to sleep a couple hours that first morning. Because we knew the morning hunt was kind of over, and we were just going to scout the rest of the day, but we couldn't sleep. You know how that is. It was like, we laid there for 30 minutes. We're all like, forget this. We went and ate breakfast and started scouting. Mm. Well, And more and more people are talking about Washington every single year. And and if, and if you guys are listening, I want to make sure, you know, this is Titus from Mid-Valley Mercenaries YouTube channel, also MVM Podcast. Um, what what do you think after being up there? What is the terrain like? I've seen some of your videos up there, but what is the terrain like in Washington, and what makes it such a good duck destination? You know, the terrain is not what we. Well, I guess let me rephrase that. We were expecting. I was expecting the terrain to be where we're at because when, like different parts, you know, you got Eastern Washington, Central, and then Western. Well. Central is more, from what I've noticed, a lot of, um, uh, well, you're on the Columbia River, you know, the Snake River, all that stuff. But I know it's, it's, it's like high desert, 
it's really weird because you're thinking mallards. Why in the world are the mallards? But I mean, you got the river system, so I mean, the birds are just they lope out there. It's really weird. You know, they'll be out in the middle of the river and they're loped out there by the thousands. I mean, they're rafting up what you would think as as sea ducks. I mean, unbelievable. I've never seen so many mallards raft up because you know you think of raft as sea ducks, but um, they'll raft out there in the middle and then they'll come towards the bank. You know, in the morning and in the afternoon. And they'll loaf right there, but um, and feed actually, I should say. But now Western Washington, from all those, and we end up not going over there. We were going to, we were gonna do some sea duck stuff and kind of, kind of target widgeon. But what happened was at that time, like I was saying, those guys over on Western side, um, it just wasn't the birds weren't there at the time. So we never made that trip over because it was gonna be another three, four hours, and we already found birds. And we're not, we weren't willing at the time to sacrifice good hunt for something supposedly that wasn't good but the west side it was just like gorgeous like probably the most beautiful duck hunting you can probably ever do i mean big pine trees grassy meadows um little ponds i mean just beautiful beautiful country like mountains mountainous country so we were really wanting to hunt that and i think that's what thomas and travis had in mind thinking i showed them pictures of that and I think that's what they anticipated hunting, but we end up hunting more of the river stuff you'll see in the videos. So, uh, do you have any, um, any plan to move there ever? <laughs> I can't lie, man. When I, every time I leave California, I'm always like, I'm out of this place, you know, but <laughs> it's just, I was looking at, you know, the regs with buying guns. Cause you know, here you got to wait 10 days and then they've taken all, Picking all the lead out, even for doves and pheasant. And just it just they're get, it's just getting worse and worse. But um, um, I I really I was like, you know what? I could totally move there. And my wife was giving me a hard time. She's all, you just want to move there because the duck hunting good. <laughs> but even the elk hunting, the, they have mule deer and whitetail. I mean, it, there's a lot of options there. But I I can't lie, guys. Let's not pick on Washington here. I think Elliot's trying to keep Kansas under wraps here. I, I can see right through this. <laughs> I, I really thought long and hard about moving over there where old uh, Golden Boy is. I can't lie, man. I was like, that's that's where I need to move, man. Oh, man, I'll tell you, I, if you, I would be all for you moving to Kansas. I need more guys like <laughs> you around to with, honestly. That would be great. I wish I could move oh, there, yeah. too. I, I was talking to – Jordan and I were just having that conversation – a couple nights ago on the phone about moving and uprooting your family and whether it's worth it. And, you know, especially we have kids involved and grandparents and relatives and, and man, I, I'm three hours off where I wish I lived, but that's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You can still do a, a weekend trip pretty easy. Um, yeah. How far? Oh, I better not ask that. I was going to say, I'm just curious if it's a pretty long drive or you can do it in the afternoon. For me, yeah. Well, it's it's three three and a half hours um, to yeah. those areas, and so we we did we did one overnight where we just got up at you know and drove out and drove back the same day. That's a little bit tough because the drive back is you know you just that tired so tired and it becomes dangerous. But we do some one nighters where you just run out, throw up a tent, and come back the next day. But it's 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 in it's in the zone that we can do it. Yeah. It's not every weekend, you know. It's it's not gotcha. every weekend. Right. Oh, yeah, that just wear you out too much. But we can. And we did that this year because the hunting on my side of the state was so poor that 
we definitely did that two or three times, just unexpected trips running out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And you guys had a really good season uh, the year before, right? Weren't you saying that was one of your best? Yes. The last three seasons have been the best three seasons of my life. Um, but last season was by far the best. This season ended up being pretty good. It was it was short on mallards until we got into them um, towards the end of in, in January, and that was the only thing that was lacking. Had a really good season, just kind of didn't shoot the mallard numbers that I liked, but made up for it at the end of the year. So yeah, the last three seasons have been fantastic. You guys had some epic hunt, Elliot, on that last. That well, you guys both you were getting in the honkers, Jordan and Elliot. You were playing the playing the uh, mallards. Yeah, that was the best hunt weekend total back to back hunts of that I can remember. Honestly, it was it was fantastic. Man, that's kind of interesting though, Elliot. You kind of saying um, you didn't shoot very many mallards this year. I was looking at um, I actually just recently filmed like my end of the the season video and looking at the the data from last year and this year, and I didn't shoot very many more. Even though I, I doubled more than doubled the number of birds I shot, I barely shot any more mallards. It was like six or seven more so it was kind of kind of weird on that so how are would, yeah. do you keep trap track of your numbers titus from season to I, season y- yes i well um elliot uh hooked me up with a great site elliot uh, <laughs> freelance hunt stats and i used it all season long and i love it and uh i mean i put it in a couple of videos too you know trying to let people know about it i don't know if that that brought traffic or not but you never know with those kind of things, but I really, really liked it. And uh, I don't know how much Thomas, I think Thomas was using it too. And um, I really liked that. I don't, I'd have to pull it up right now with my phone. I could tell you exactly. Yeah, I was just curious if your I, Mallard numbers, um, well, let me, how well, they compared yeah, from season well, to season. It was better this year because of Washington. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. So that definitely helped us out. And then going to Kansas stuff, which even, even though it wasn't like shooting limits, but it, I mean, it's still added into the bunch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of forgot, you know, you guys shoot a big variety. I don't know what I was thinking of mm-hmm. that. And so, I mean, yeah. where Kansas and Indiana are more, I guess, considered uh, largely to get more mallards than anything else. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, kind of a side note on this, um, something that I was thinking about, uh, when you're talking about California and all that, but did anything on the ammo laws get resolved or is it still having the background checks and everything like that? No, I I would say as far as I know and have looked into, nothing's gotten better. I don't want to say it's gotten worse because I don't want to sound negative, but it's definitely not getting better. And we just kind of did a, a an update podcast on that. I think it was, I think it was episode 50, but um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> Because what it is now, it's been, let's see here, it's been six months since they, July 1st, whatever that is. I can't, I got to use my fingers and toes to figure that out. But anyways, <laughs> um, it's, we've seen the effects of it now. And it was, to me, in my opinion, was worse than I thought it would be. I mean, I knew it wasn't a good thing. But a lot of people I know that are, I mean, for instance, there was a 80-year-old gentleman in there in shooting guns and buying ammo for his whole life since he was a little kid and he was livid he went in there and um, they would not let him buy ammo because um he had everything he needed but he wasn't passing that eligibility check and there was nothing on his record nothing he didn't do anything he didn't Mm -hmm. have any you know nothing 
and he, that poor guy, he was livid. He was ripping that, that worker out one side down the other. And really it's not that guy's fault, but you know, you got to take it out on somebody. And he just, it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy went home and packed his bag and left California right then. Cause I mean, I just can't imagine being 80 years old, hunting my whole life and then seeing something like that where you yeah. can't even buy a box of 22 shells. Well, can you, know, you imagine the the week before hunting season, and you go in to get your ammo, and they're just like, "Actually, we just can't sell you any at all," you know. Right. And being as avid of a hunter you are, I'm sure you'd you'd probably pack up your bags, or make plans to do that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. I uh, I I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it'd give you uh, your your excuse to get up there to Kansas or Washington. So. True. True. <laughs> Silver lining, right? <laughs> Yeah, except my wife said, don't even think about moving us just because the hunting's better there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you move her to where we were at the Flyways Collective, um, I think that she's going to realize it's for the hunting because there's not much out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Believe it or not, um, I think when she was 13, she lived in um, Missouri for about five or six years. So she never, I guess supposedly she says she never wanted to leave there. Now I'm no offense to anybody. I'm not a huge Missouri fan. I've been there a few times and it's pretty and everything, but I, it's probably just because of duck hunting, which I know they have good duck hunting too. So that's kind of unfair to say, I guess, but I just have my place. You know, I'm kind of a mountain guy. Like if I had to pick, I'd want to pick like Idaho or Montana, but boy, you start bringing a lot of mallards in Kansas and Washington sound pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of different states, I know you've traveled to Nebraska, Kansas, Washington. I would love to hear you talk about what are the similarities between the three states. And I know you're in Nebraska in teal season, so <laughs> in Kansas more mid-season and Washington late. But what are the similarities between the three, the three states and then maybe the differences that stuck out in your mind? <laughs> and real quick before you answer that, real quick before you answer that. So I know kind of probably what Elliot's kind of leading in on this. And so we've had this conversation before, and he thinks that there's no place better in the world than Kansas for duck hunting. And um, <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> He's always saying stuff like it's true. He's always picking on you. Hey, Matt from Hyperbury Sportsman was picking on you too in our podcast. He was talking about how much you love full choke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen – there's been well, some infographics going around too talking about it, but, you know, that's neither here or there. But. <laughs> uh, full choke is way too wide open of a choke for me. So, so um <laughs> – so Elliot, uh, before he answers that question, then, um, so I guess uh, I did think I wasn't even, uh, you know, uh, pulling pulling your chain on that one, but uh, I I thought you had said at some point that there's no place in in the world that that you'd uh, that's better for duck hunting than Kansas. And what what was the statement? Did I said that? that. Yeah. What was the statement you had on that? It was something similar to that. I don't I don't recall saying that. I know there's no I, I know why. I love it, and I can tell you why it's so good, but I, it's hard for me to compare it to other states because I've never been there. But I can certainly make a case as to why it's really, really good, but I don't recall ever saying it's the best place in the country or anything like that. Because, okay. I mean, like Washington, I've never been to those places, so I, I don't know. Maybe you said there's no place you'd rather hunt in the world. Than... There's certainly no place I would not move. If there was one place I would move out of Kansas to, it would be upper Nebraska, but that would be number two. But, yeah, I... If I had if I had my pick, 
to where I would move to in permanently hide of any place in the world, it would be to where we were at Flyers Club. Do you want to say the actual town or anything so people can nope. look it up? I would rather rather not. But all right, <laughs> that's what that. I, I don't think there's no other place I know of that I've ever seen that's as good as that area. Okay, okay. So I got it a little bit wrong, but yeah. Um, so what you meant to say is that's the best place in the world to hunt. Got it. So um, Titus, can you go ahead and answer the question? <laughs> okay. Now remind me again. What three states? <laughs> Nebraska, Washington, and Kansas. I'm not looking for you to order them like which you think were best, but just the differences of the areas. What's similar about the three areas and what struck you as different about the hunting environment or the people or anything. Can't we can't we get a top I wanna I wanna hear the ratings. <laughs> well he can unless he wants to out there. <laughs> All right. It's, it's hard for him to compare. He's in Nebraska I mean he's teal in Nebraska. I think he's he, kind of early he, on the Mallard migration in Kansas, so it'd be hard for them to compare it. I think you're just scared though. you're going to get a three. I don't care what I get. <laughs> no matter me what Oh, my goodness, you guys. Well, um, you might have to remind me halfway through what the question was because I'm good at <laughs> starting to go off on a rabbit trail and then forget where I was okay. going at. But Comparing the three um, states as far as duck hunting in your experience. Okay. Similarities? You guys are just going to love to hear this. I know it's just going to toot your guys' horn, but the birds land in the decoy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you can work birds. Washington, Nebraska, uh, and Kansas. You know, California, Just I can't stress enough. In fact, I'll just be honest with you guys. I told Jordan this. I'm going to be opening in front of all of you guys. Everybody listen to this podcast, and you too. I don't want Elliot to come to California. <laughs> no, I do not want you to come out here because you would not be happy hunting on these refugees. I'm not now. If you want to experience it, just experience it. That's fine. And I, you know, my my door is always open to everybody. But I was telling Jordan the other day. I said he, Elliot would not be happy out here, and I don't blame him one bit because seeing what I see in these other states, it's just not. You are not gonna take it. You're, you need a full choke here, you know? I mean, I don't shoot full ch- I do now, actually. I switched into the season, and I actually liked it. I don't know how that will go when birds are real tight. I don't know if I'll still do the same thing, but, you know, it's like, and I'm not putting a full end to, oh, so I can shoot birds at 60 yards. You know, I still like 40 or less, but it's just when they are, when you're, you're mainly path hunting, and those three states, you know, you can get birds to come in. The competition is different. It's not that we, you guys have less competition in those three states. It's different, if that makes any sense, you know. And, um, I, I mean, I've seen it with, firsthand with you guys, Elliot, there in Kansas, and all the Flywoods Collective. There's still guys in boats. There's still guys hunting. There's still guys, you know, that one day, Elliot, remember what, uh, the first hunt, me, you, and Jordan, mm-hmm. perfect prime example those come guys come busting in and then way late, you know, it's already, his son's already coming up kind of, you know, mess our hunt up. I truly believe, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel that um, those birds that they were shooting, a lot of them would have been coming in our, our spread. That's how I feel. Yeah. Because if there's mm-hmm. no other decoys or no other birds over there, why it's, they're always going to come to us or to, um, you know, golden boy and my brother and all those guys. So that was the, that was the similarities I see between those is that, you can work birds, you can call, and um, the, the competition is different. You know, it's just, it's um, on all those three, it's the same in the difference that it is from California, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some more similarities. Um, 
you know, it's, I guess if you were, if you were a resident too, the price of hunting is more fair, you know, um, even, even the, it's funny because I believe if I remember right, the non-resident when I went to those three states was the same as my resident, which is insane, you know, Wait, but, um, how much is yeah. your resident license for here? Yeah. Uh, what part of it? <laughs> There's a visit. So you, I mean, you gotta get your, your resident. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of what it is. It's 50, it's like 50 bucks. It's not that part of it. It's all the things that you got to get with it that to hunt the California refuges. You know what I'm saying? You got to mm-hmm. buy a pass every time you go hunt. And it's not like some of these states I know that have this stuff, um, you know, where you got to go in on a, on a place and put in for it. If these, that is our main hunting places. We have a ton of those and there's a lot of public land, but being that there is a lot of public land, it only allows so many people on at a time and unless you hunt the, the delta or the river systems um let's just put it this way that's your main hunting is being done on those on those refuges for most people so the those would be the things i'm saying are the same um i don't know is that answering the question for that part elliot yeah, yeah, that does good. Talk a little bit about the environment, the atmosphere of the surroundings and the landscape. As far as when you're out in the blind hunting, or like yeah, like just the landscape, the what the aesthetic, how it feels. Okay, um, I, I assume that Washington would be the prettiest of the three if you got mountains around. Well, and that's the thing is, like I said, where we were hunting was more flatland, high desert, so really visually what. It wasn't pretty just to some normal person. Now, when you got mallards coming in, it, it was the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. you know, um, now that's where they were different, okay, because we were hunting. We were doing something we never done. We were sitting on the side of the bank up in the brush. Well, I guess take it that back. We did do that with you guys in Kansas. But something um, I noticed, you know, we were up on the bank. We were brushed up. We were making kind of blinds. And what was weird to me was, I mean, take the river. I mean, it's at some parts where we were hunting, it's a mile, two miles across. I mean, like huge. Like even if we were in a little bay, it'd be more. And uh, we we just thought that was just crazy that the birds were coming in like that to to feed or to loaf, whatever, right on the bank like that. I thought that was just crazy, you know, um, that they were doing that. Whereas, you know, with you guys in Kansas, we might be on just a little, I guess I'd call it a channel. I don't know what you guys call it. I know it's probably a river mm-hmm. yeah. too, but it was, you know, then you got, you guys got your, your trees and your bushes and shrubs and stuff like that, that you can get hidden in. Like we were hunting that one day sitting under the tree. I thought that was just super cool. Like it to me, hunting off the, the bank is really cool. I really like that. Yeah. And, and then the Baraska and I don't, you know, I've watched obviously pretty much all math videos too and it was more i'm on the spot here because i know everybody's listening i don't want to say it wrong the wrong terminology for the day but you know we we did hunt that flooded corn which from what matt was telling me that's not a normal thing you know that's not like he did did that all the time in years past and i just love that like (laughs) hunting in corn flooded corn that was unbelievable it it was just i don't know it seemed easier to hide 
you know, you got that same corn. You can see the ducks through it good, mm-hmm. but they just don't seem to see used good. It was just kind of a neat little deal. I, I don't know. I've got, I've hunted in so many different environments this year. And then I'm trying to think one of the other things we did there in Nebraska was kind of like on a little pond, so to speak. I don't know. That's probably not the right term either. But they have a lot of those in Nebraska, and um, you'll just watch and see where the birds stack up in, and whether it's private and he'll ask permission or it's public, you know, you just go in there and kind of, you know, take a, a stand-up blind, or maybe you just take a bunch of brush and build up a blind, and I don't know, it was just, it was really cool, but those were definitely all, I would say Washington and Kansas were very similar, but Nebraska was kind of its own beast, it seemed like to me. Hmm. Interesting. I know we were close to a place that had flooded corn, and it was actually public ground there in Washington, but um, we didn't know about it until after we were long gone. So Mm. that might be something we're kind of sneaking into next year, but I'm sure it might be kind of heavily populated, you know. I don't know if that was the question you're looking for or answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely was. Sure, it was. Uh, Do you have your hunt trips laid out for next year, or are you still trying to figure those out? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I'm kind of. We forgot. You, you gotta, um, <laughs> you gotta give your your three. Uh, you, you know your top uh oh, your order. Boy, <laughs> Man, that's not that's messed up. <laughs> You're just trying to make. Okay, Kansas number one. I'm just gonna say that, so you you can't get your glory there, Jordan. I know how you work. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't know, man. You know, I had such a great time at all of them. It's really I can't. I just don't feel like it's, it'd be fair to even do that. Honestly, I'm just being honest. You know, not don't let Jordan bully you. He's just a bully. I'm not. I'm not. He is a bully. <laughs> I just you know he's I just po- want, I just want to know. I want to know you know between the three if you had to move. You know, in what order you'd pick? Like, let's say that uh, um, you just had to move. He's not going to give up. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't to count in um, the gun laws and rules, if you're going to start getting that technical, if I was just to say, okay, they're all three, the rules, the regs, everything's the same, I I definitely could, could see myself moving to Washington because – it kind of semi reminds me of California in in the good way, believe it or not. I don't even know how it's possible, but take all the regs, the guns, the laws, the crazy politicians. Um, it it feels like it's kind of the same scenario, just without all the stupidness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just kind of seems like home more. If that makes sense. Yep. You know. But from what I was told, um, they're they're cracking down, and it just it flows from here. I guess supposedly everything kind of drags first to um, uh, Oregon. You know, they hate it's pretty much all Californians now, and it I guess it's drifted into Washington too. So I would probably I probably wouldn't move there because before long they're going to be just like us, a lot quicker than say Kansas or Nebraska. You know. Yep. I love. I'll tell you this. As open as Kansas was, I really loved the openness and spread out, how spread out Nebraska was. If you're a person that likes to get away from the crowds, man, that place is the place to go. I'm serious. It was, it was really cool. I really liked how open and spread out it was. Yeah. Phenomenal state. Just a phenomenal it state. Or, you know, Matt wouldn't like us saying that. He wants everybody to think it's <laughs> the most horrible place to live. But. <laughs> And it, the other thing about Nebraska is it has some really great uh, opportunities for hunting outside of waterfowl too. Um, and yep. 
maybe Kansas has that as well, but I think Nebraska is pretty well known for um, the other types of hunting you can do there. Yeah, they have monster whitetail, you know, big deer. Yeah, and something I kind of wanted to to hit on um, that you said earlier, Titus, um, talking about the similarities and um, the birds decoying. And, I mean, but you guys kill so many birds out in California. It feels like it's just crazy because it seems like every video I watch, you guys – I mean, it's not every video, but a lot of the videos, you guys have really, really good hunts. I mean, where you guys are limiting out, um, so it's just—it's got to be crazy. You guys have got to have a lot of birds if you're not um, getting, you know, the the easy kind of uh, floating right into the decoy shots, and you're still able to limit out consistently. Yeah, I mean, it, it is nice having that variety. Um, it's it's weird every year is so different because this year um we had a really really good hunt and just me and a junior actually went with me and uh, we had a really good hunt and that was two weeks after season it was like first week of november or something or something like that and but what happened was we had heavy north winds and i'm telling you i know that's good everywhere you go north winds is good but I've never seen it that good that early, um, but those north winds usually aren't blowing during that time. So, but really this year our season didn't get really good until like after Christmas, you know, like, and then it did seem like we were doing good. Well, yeah, sure, we'll have those random ones that are good, just like everybody else. But it seemed like most every time we went out after New Year's was just really good, and it's like, oh man, you know, you're trying to soak in every moment and. I blew it, man. I, I had an opportunity um, uh, to shoot two Drake cinnamon teal, and I never pulled the trigger because I had already shot three green wings, and I thought, okay, I'm going to hold back and try to, you know, get a pintail, maybe a, a gadwall or whatever, you know, at the pin on the refuge I'm at. And it was, uh, both times it was overcast, and I told myself this year I was not going to do that. I'm like, I'm shooting every teal that comes over because one of those is going to be a cinnamon. <laughs> and it's overcast, so they're all look black, and it was in the morning, so you really can't tell. And it goes right over my head. Me or my buddy didn't shoot. We look up at it. It goes behind us, and then all of a sudden, I seen it. Drake cinnamon, both times, and I was just sick to my stomach because I haven't shot one in three years. And, um, you know, I was pretty bummed, and it actually happened to me twice. Last day of season, beautiful studded out um, Drake blue wing went right over me. But the way the angle of the light was, I couldn't tell which one was the drake. And I shot, as soon as it went over it, I shot the dumb hen. <laughs> and the drake was on the other side. I was like, oh, you idiot. You know, but if I would have waited and not shot, I wouldn't have been able to have a shot. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Is that your guy's uh, most rare duck um, for Blue California? Wing? No, 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 the um, cinnamon. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I would say blue wing and cinnamon are kind of neck and neck. Um, everybody has their, their special bird. I mean, if you want to get down to it, the refuges we hunt, um, you never really see canvas back, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, you know, or whatever. I mean, there I could just create a list for you of birds that you're never going to see at this refuge or you'll, you'll never see there. I mean, one refuge we hunt a lot of hunt my whole life. Um, you will not see a, um, a wood duck 
and most of the refugees, there's some refugees you will, but pretty much all of them, you'll never see one. And someone last year, one of my buddies shot one last year. And out of 20 years of hunting, and I've never, that's the first time I've ever seen somebody shoot a wood duck, you know? So it's just random. So you guys he, don't get a lot he, of wood I ducks get, throughout, throughout all the refuges or just like, I mean, how, how many wood ducks do you shoot them. a year? Me? Oh, I don't hardly, unless I go, now if I go to the river, I can shoot quite a bit of wood duck. Nothing probably like you, Jordan. I know you shoot quite a bit. Um, but for here, I can shoot several wood ducks if I go to the river, which I just don't really do because I do that on my kayak. And the water taint changes heights all the time, and it gets kind of rapid, you know, rapid and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I didn't even – I only maybe shot um, a couple a couple uh, wood ducks this year, but I never targeted them, so I didn't expect to, you know. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah, another thing I wanted to, to hit on is um, you guys always have um, a hunt at the end of the season – and it's your youth hunt. So um, yeah. it seems pretty unique. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, it's the weekend after the um, um, it's obviously regular season. And uh, sorry, my mind went blank there for a second. Um, it's, it's the week after. This year, though, was different because what they did is they changed. Instead of staying the last Sunday of the month and the end of the season of January, that's what they've always done for years. They changed it to the last day of the month. So instead of the last Sunday, it was the last day. Well, I think if I remember right, it was a Friday. So between the last Sunday, which would have been a Wednesday, there was like 10 days um, to where um, the, the refuges hadn't been hunted. And so I knew you know, normally it's seven days, which is already incredible. So add a couple, three more days. And you're just going to have that many more birds migrating and that many more birds getting comfortable. Nobody messing with them. Nobody shooting at them. So I was telling all these young guys, I said, if I'm off, I said, I'm going to go. And we, you guys are going to have an incredible hunt. And, uh, of course, some of the dads already taking their boys. So there was already guys going without me. But I ended up getting to take a couple guys, too. And it's my favorite. It's like one of my favorite things to film. I, I didn't really feel like I did as good as I could have did because I didn't have the big camera out. Rocky was so busy um, working. I just did not have time to get it out as much as I would have liked to done. But that though, now <laughs> that hunt, I want, I think there was 13 of us. I've never in my life and nor do I ever want to hunt with that many people. <laughs> but I know that on the junior hunt, there are so many birds and they just are almost, dumb for lack of a better term because they haven't been hunted in 10 days and they've gotten comfortable where they're at because if you look in the video you can see that really not everybody's covered up that good and i'm sure yeah we would have birds a lot closer landing if we would have but you know how it gets man people get excited and they just start trampling the toolies and trampling the cover so it's just like after the first hour you might as well kiss it goodbye you know but the bird they're still killing birds and uh old john teeny from whacking a stacking outdoors he that um cinnamon still went right over and he just clocked that thing and everybody i think everybody got their pintails we shot pintails a lot of widgeons there was a lot of widgeons this year um on the junior hunt which was really cool you know i'm nothing wrong with teal but it was kind of cool to see these young guys and girls get um the younger or the the widgeon and uh you know bigger birds whatever and so it was really cool. I just, they had a time. It was a blast. And uh, they were just shooting. And we were, 
trash talking after a while. They were all talking amongst themselves. It was it was really a lot of fun. And I know for sure out of six juniors, I think two that hadn't hunted a lot just literally um that just ruined them. <laughs> it ruined them. They're they're for their lifers now. Because awesome. they were kind of on the fence of like, uh, oh, it's not that good, you know. I yep. could tell that it wasn't in their blood yet, but that one, oh yeah, that ruined them. I'm telling you, it ruined them. So that's, you have that's, that that's, one that's, experience of that yep. perfect hunt, man. It's yep. <laughs> if that doesn't do it it's for awesome. you, then you, you know. I'm still waiting for yep. hunting. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go to Kansas, uh, Jordan. <laughs> I've tried. I've had some uh, pretty good hunts there for sure. He just never had one of the real good ones. I've yeah. never, I've never got my pintail, and I haven't had, uh, I haven't had the five mallard hunt. That's that's the, that that's what will take the cake for me if I ever get there. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. the flyways hunt, the one, the first, the first hunt on there where we shot a, uh, I shot two redheads, a uh, buffalo head, um, a teal, and two mallards. That that was a pretty good hunt. So. That's a that was a cool one. You you guys scored on that one for sure. Oh yeah, well you guys were still. 10,000 feet up. <laughs> I know. I'm still a little bitter about that. <laughs> well, it wouldn't uh, do the podcast justice if we didn't hit on dog training and, and talking about our dogs, us being the three dog guys from the Flyway Collective. So um, let's go ahead and hear a little bit about uh, Rocky and how his season went. He ended up with um, 267 retrieves. And I know that there's some states where, you know, I, I'm sure that their people's dogs could get a lot more than that. Just, you know, cause it's obviously not just my birds I shoot. It's everybody that goes with me. So the more you hunt with the more birds you kill, the more retrieves they're going to have, but it exceeded my expectations. Um, I wanted to hit 200, um, retrieves for him this season and he ended up getting 267. And that was honestly because the last, the junior help the junior hunt helped a lot and plus the last three weeks of the season we just did really good and hunted with three or four guys every time so it just helped and you know i don't know um if next year if i am gonna try to say 300 i don't i don't think i'll do that because it's not always about the numbers but i tell you what one thing that his his progression was this year was looking at the skies you know always being alert i mean he wanted to retrieve and the hand signals i mean it, when it when you feel like you have a connection and a remote control in your hand with your dog, it's a pretty incredible feeling. And even as much as I love the first season with Rocky, that's the second season was just like, it was just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't, I, you know, I just don't see myself hunting without a dog. And it's not that it's wrong. I mean, I hunted for most all my life without one, but to have the connection with the animal and not even an animal, just a buddy, you know, it turns into that and, it's like it's. I would not have it any other way, and I was. It was so cool, and, you know. Then I mean, he was parts of the season. You know, he was jumping like in the toolies. I'm talking. He came and walked him, and he was throwing his 90 pound body through. Bam! Because he would his nose came in. You know, his second year, second year old dog, and his nose came in, and he knew that there. If he could smell it, he knew it was in there, and he was willing to do whatever it took. So, you just all those things. It was just. Yeah, priceless, you know. Yeah, definitely couldn't agree on that more. And and as well, I mean, he definitely looked, um, he looked amazing uh, in your video. So uh, your training's all gone to, 
to good work and in and he's looking well, great. Let me say this too, because I I can if I'm not careful, I can be like this and just to say this to cover the tracks of what I just said a second ago, you know, I guess if I would have been a younger guy, let's say if I was 22, 23 years old, and I would have took Rocky back there, and he's a good dog, and he's an awesome dog, but he goes back there and does what he did when we were in Kansas. As a 21, 22-year-old guy, I probably would have been embarrassed and mad and frustrated at Rocky because my ego. But I was obviously mature enough and old enough to know, even though I'm not some dog trainer, that that was an environment he hadn't been in. And there's nothing I could have did about it, and there's nothing he could do. You know, because, I mean, it was a little I, – I would say it was a little embarrassing that he ran back after that first deck when he busted through that ice and realized something wasn't normal, you know. But I wasn't mad at him. Like, how could I get mad at him? You know, my, I'm not going to let my ego get in the way of that. You know, it's like – he never experienced it, and I just ended up laughing at it. We all laughed at it, and, you know, and I take no offense because, I mean, it, it was a new environment, and sure, you know, even hunting with Josh from um, Outdoor Learning, he didn't, to me, in my opinion, he didn't do good at all. Like, he didn't, he didn't do like he does here, and I'm just like, man, what is wrong with him? But, you know, I know he was tired traveling, different environment, and it was like, it's one of those things where, you start getting a little concerned. Like, do these guys think I'm editing these videos so good to make Rocky look like he's so good? And really, he's, you know, worthless. And I guess that was in the back of my mind. Like, I don't know what to say. There's, I mean, what yeah. can I do? What can I say? You know, he's, I know what he's like. You know, I know how good he is. It was just different. Well, I don't you know, know about you, but whenever Chief's chasing down a bird, I just uh, hit the times two on the recording just to make him look a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ain't gonna. Know I did. I actually did have to do that on Izzy a couple times just because I wanted to show her bringing a bird back, but she was so slow. <laughs> she would crawl back with those birds. So there was a couple times I actually did speed it up, <laughs> not to make it look better, just because like I, I want to see this, right. but I don't want to watch it in that time. <laughs> but it's as far as Rocky have that problem with your I mean, dog now. Yeah. Oh no, she is lightning. This is my little one, but. Um, you know, I was super impressed. Even before that ice thing, I mean, I didn't think twice about that. Number one, Rocky was completely well-behaved, the boat ride in, and I was so impressed. I've never had a dog, and this is my dog number three I have right now. But, I mean, you put Rocky on a stand, and we went 50 yards away, and that dog sat there and did what you said for 30, 40 minutes. And mm -hmm. it was when I saw that that I was like, okay. I'm going to do what I need to do to get my dog to do that. Because I can tell you that my previous two dogs would never have sat on a stand when I was out messing around 50 yards away. And so I was mm -hmm. really impressed by that. And as far as the ice, I mean, you can tell when a dog is confused and doesn't have context for what's taking place. You know, I mean, it just throws them completely out of whack as mm -hmm. far as that ice. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, I was bummed, you know, and really I wasn't bummed because I was trying to impress you guys. I was just kind of bummed, like, you know, this is going to be a good experience and opportunity for him, but I can tell he wasn't feeling his oats, so I didn't want to push him, you know, so it is what it is. Yeah, I can and tell all, you. And all dogs have absolutely terrible off days. I remember um, Izzy's like fifth or sixth, maybe seventh season on the opener for Teal. She acted like she had never hunted 
before. She wasn't marking. She wasn't picking up birds. I mean, after the hunt, I was like, I I don't even know who this dog is. I mean, and I know Jordan's mm-hmm. had some problems with Chief, like not as bad as that extreme, but when he travels with Chief, Chief struggles too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, my trips to Kansas this year were Chief's worst hunts, and I don't know. I mean, that's a question I def- definitely want to talk to a pro trainer about at some point because it's uh, it's become to the point where it's not like he had an off day. It's like every time I travel on these long trips and I don't know what it's, what I'm doing, um, but he is just like he's not himself at all. Like it's uh, it's like his drive is diminished to almost like nothing. And it, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. like he's not sleeping. I've tried different things. Like I don't leave him in the kennel. I bring him in. I make sure I stop at hotels where he can come in. Um, all different things, but I don't know what it is, but, um, it's like, he's like super just worn out or he doesn't want to like, doesn't want to hunt. And then I get to my normal hunts where we're, we're hunting here local and he's, he's got so much drive that he's jumping out and pulling his, his, uh, his blind through the decoy. So it's like, I get two extremes on it and I got to figure out what it is on those trips to kind of fix that. Yeah. And I, I wonder I'm, I'm going to ask Chris Aiken that too, because I wonder if it's, if there's nothing maybe you can do, you know, like I, I, you know, I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. there's not, maybe there is. I don't know. But mm-hmm. how, how was the Rocky he, in Washington? Did you take him with you on okay, that trip? You, okay. So you saying that I, I just come to my mind too. So he was, uh, he did really good. Um, we did drive and he was only in the kennel. He was, he didn't have to fly and be separated and time change and all that stuff. Um, so really he acted pretty normal and you know, it wasn't as cold. There was no ice. Um, it semi, um, involved the same somewhat a little bit of the same scenario, but I will tell you this, Elliot. And this is when you talked about him, him sitting on a stand for 34 minutes as I'm away doing decoys and breaking ice and doing whatever. I did learn this year um, something I would have to train opposite, and might be something you can do with yours too, is that um, a dog stand, okay? So he's been trained to sit on that dog stand and not get up until I say, you know whether it's in just in training or hunting, he does great on a dog stand. Now what happened with when we were in Washington and this has nothing to do with traveling. It's just bottom line. I had him sitting on the ground. He was on no dog stand. He was on no environment where he kind of, he has a place. He would just be right by me. And what happened was, is he started breaking and I cannot stand a dog that breaks. I, I literally, I will time up and they're done because I, I can't handle that. And that's not what I trained to be like, but I always trained them on a stand. So not having that specific place for him, I honestly, I feel like if I would have put a little piece of, of plywood on the ground and told him to kennel and he sat on that, I'll lay money down. He wouldn't have left it, but because there was no specific spot for him and that's part of me, that's really not on him, you know? Cause he felt like there's no lockdown spot that I have to be. I'm just kind of free to roam. So the first, the first day he did good. The second day he did good, but then he started realizing in his head, Hey, I can just go when they shoot. And that really, I struggled with him for that probably for a couple hunts after that, getting him back to where I wanted him. And I kind of had to put the gun down a few times to make sure he didn't do that. 
when I was training Izzy, um, I trained her just on the ground. I didn't use a stand at all. But when we actually started hunting, we were in layout boats all the time. Sometimes we were standing in the water and she was in the layout boat, and sometimes we're actually in it. And probably her first couple of years, it was mostly hunting out of a boat. And as soon as we started hunting a few bank lines, it was exactly the same thing. I mean, out of any anything where she had a little obstruction in front of her, she was rock steady solid. But you put her on a bank like that, and I had the exact same issue that you did with her breaking. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So uh, kind of while we're on the dogs, I know, uh, Elliot, you kind of mentioned um, you wanted to talk about the dog stuff before we start. You got anything else you want to add to that, Elliot? I, I do have a couple of things. First of all, I'm just so excited about Georgie. I just want to share with you guys because, <laughs> man, I've been working. Now, uh, Titus, you, what I know that you're, you follow Chris Aiken, which is, I mean, we're using Freddie King, and, I mean, they're buddies. It's the exact same mm-hmm. training program. In fact, Freddie King filmed Chris Aiken's DVDs is, is what Freddie said. Um, did you use Chris Aiken's DVDs in your training, or what exact, where were you getting your information from? Yes. So, um, what's the gentleman that you guys, he's a dog trainer, he's a younger guy that you guys have had on a few times. What's his name again? Um, oh, man, what's that We've had name? on Chris Jobman, we've had Barton Ramsey, we've had on Freddie King, and we've had on the okay. Lone Duck uh, Lone, guy. What's his name, uh, Yeah, it's yeah. Lone Ducks. I know you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Lone duck. So what happened was I seen one of his YouTube videos and I emailed him and asked him, Hey, do you uh, know of anybody or any information or training material that I could get to train my own dog? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Look up Chris Aiken and buy his duck dog basics um, part one. And so I said, thank you. No, have a good one. I didn't know any of these guys at the time. So I went on Amazon, bought this. So yes, all the training has been from Duck Dog Basics with Chris Aiken, and uh, it's, it's through Avery Sport Dog. You know, they support them and Sport yeah. Dog and all those guys. But anyways, so I used that one. I said, okay, all I'm going to do is this first DVD, and that's it. I just want a dog to get my birds and come back. Well, <laughs> we know how that all turns out. And uh, I end up thinking, man, that was not really that bad. I want to do some more. So then I bought Duck Dog Basics number two. And then I went through that whole thing and got Rocky doing all those things. And then, of course, I ended up buying part three, and I bas- we basically finished out all three of those DVDs. And that's a, it's a part, it's a three-part series, and I, that's what I used. And I just, I did it exactly how he said to do it. I did not veer. I did not deter it off. And not because I know there's plenty, like you said, of Freddie King, I think, super cool dude. And Chris Jawman, all these guys, they all know each other, too. Chris Aiken was telling me that a while back that he's good. I think he's good friends with both those guys so yeah he is um yeah so i i just stayed with him just to get through it now to add things on i have pulled from other guys just little training drills that's from other guys that that was just me you know yeah one of the philosophies identical it's just going to be the fine details i'm sure between the three of them um chris job and freddie king and and chris aiken so you're probably familiar with the drills i've been working on I, i was feeling a little bit i don't know if i was discouraged but coming out of hunting season, I was like, man, I just, I know I'm behind where I should be just because of all the video making and, and my work and everything. And so I got real serious about getting into Freddie's videos and, and hitting it every single day. And once the season was over. And so I was working with her on the stand with place where she'd go up and sit, you know, and she could pretty much sit when I wanted her to, and I'd throw the retrieve and, and she was steady. 
And but then I was trying to extend it to where um, she would go to up to the stand from pretty much any place and any location. And then I could throw it for I could throw the dummy from anywhere and she would stay in that fixed spot. And and I, I was I wouldn't say she was struggling, but it just got to the point where she would do good one day and the next day she just had so much energy that she'd jump off and come to me. And and so it's like I was feeling a little discouraged. And uh, I'm like, you know, because Freddie constantly says just a little bit. If, if he has a certain saying, something about um, little steps every day get you to your eventual goal. That's not his words, but that's the meaning of it. And the last couple of days, man, she has just been just really turning on a phenomenal. And tonight, I mean, I told my wife, I was like, it's like I gave her the final and she passed 100%. I mean, mm. so she just completely with flying colors passed that portion and we're ready to move on to shop collar and uh and force fetch and i mean i've never had a dog i mean izzy would sit and stay and izzy would heal and i thought she would at the time but once you really follow the basics by these guys every single day doing what they show there is a big difference to a dog that kind of sits and kind of heals and a dog that sits and a dog that heals you know what i mean and i'm seeing it right now i mean you know She'll sit there in that stand, and I can go 20 yards away, throw a dummy for her, and casually just walk over to her, and she's sitting there the whole time, and I can send her. And, and you know, so I'm, I already see the level of obedience difference just using, mm-hmm. you know, I use the retrievertrainer.com. And the last dog, it's, it's exciting. It's really, really exciting to see that next step of um, dog versus my last one. I'm just pumped up about it tonight because she just rocked it. I just rocked it. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. When are you, you going um, to implement the e-collar? Um, I think I'm going to buy it next week. And I'm right, like right now. I'm just waiting. Um, I'm waiting for a paycheck to come in to pull out of. I've got money earmarked out of it. And so I'm just, I'm a little worried because I know that sportsman, the one you have, Jordan, I, I hope that that 400 yards is a long enough distance um, and I hope I don't regret getting a little bit higher, but I've got, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get that sportsman. Um, what's it? The four, 425, 425. I think so. What do you have as far as e-collar Titus? I, I have the 820. Is it the 825? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's called the 825, but I'll tell you what, uh, I think you could put your mind at ease, Elliot. Cause I, if I had to do it over again, I'd just get the 425. To be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. That's I would. What that's what I've been using. Yeah. Yep. And had no issues with that at all. Okay. Yeah. I'll go ahead and get like a hundred dollars cheaper and, and the people mm-hmm. you know, I've had so many people say it's such a good collar and 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 Georgie is she's really high drive. Now she's like the complete opposite of Rocky and Chief. I mean she's like tiny. Nine and a half months mm-hmm. old, just tiny and lightning fast. And uh, but she's got all this like high drive, high energy, but she's not strong willed at all. But yet she's confident, and so from right now, I mean, I'm very amateur as far as what I see, um, what I see from it. But I, I'm just, man, I'm so excited. I bet, man. I you you talking about uh, just the differences and what the training. A lot of people are always emailing me and they're always messaging me, especially when I was still on Facebook and Instagram. It was really not bad, but it was bad as far as I was just tons of messages every day and everybody's always wanting 
for you to confirm to them that you should do all of it. People are always wanting to leave out force fetch. They're wanting to leave out the e-caller. They're questioning this and that. And it's like, guys, you know, you can do that, but I'm, it's just use me for an example. I was one of those guys that said, I was just going to train to go get a duck and come back or a geese and come back. But after I did all the things that exactly by the book that they said to do, I thought, I am so glad I did this because I would have so regretted this or I would have not have realized what I left out of the training, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, you know, I think this is a, a good place to wrap it up. Um, definitely covered a lot of awesome, awesome topics there and um, good stuff on there. And um, as always, Titus, really appreciate you coming on here. Um, for you yeah. guys that don't follow him, his channel is over Mid Valley Mercenaries, um, over on YouTube, and then the MVM show on podcast. Um, so definitely go check out his stuff. You won't regret it. Um, puts out top notch quality content on both those platforms. Um, but anything else uh, you want to add on, Elliot? Nope. I would just say, um, you know, I knew who you were, Titus, before this year, but I didn't know you. And now after a whole year of hunting with you, talking with you on the phone, I'm just really, really glad that our paths have crossed and we're getting to know each other. We're in the flyers collective together. Just really impressed with everything you've got going on and, and you as a man as well. So certainly I'm a, I'm a Titus MVM fan. <laughs> no, I really do appreciate that. And I know it's sometimes hard for us guys to be a little bit more sentimental, but I, I really do. I feel the same way and I appreciate your words, Elliot and, and Jordan, you guys having me on and just our friendships for real because people probably don't know, but, you know, we're constantly texting and talking on the phone. And just like you said, I feel the same way about you guys. I'm like, I feel very fortunate to call you guys what I can say now as friends and not just acquaintances. Awesome. The the feelings uh, mutual all around. So, um, but I think, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So, um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode. Um, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Titus from Mid Valley Mercenary, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>